You are listening to sermons from the pulpit of the Bible Baptist Church in Marysville, California. We hope you will be blessed as you listen to another practical message. Thank you so much for that. All those years of, of music lessons that I taught him and voice lessons, they finally paid off. Oh, goodness, what a, what a blessing. I'm so thankful for the blessings that God has given to us. Uh, we are a blessed church. Uh, the uh, just this morning we've had we have had all kinds of things happen this morning just people out sick and calls in and uh, people not coming and so uh, anyway brother Stevens those uh, the specials this morning it was hey you're on you're on today and so praise the Lord he was ready and that's a that's a blessing uh, for that. All right, keep your Bibles out here as we look at Psalm 85. I want to I want to look at verse number six. Psalm 85 and verse number 6. We were in this passage uh, last week as well. I want to draw your attention to verse number 6. The Bible says, Wilt thou not revive us again, that thy people may rejoice in thee? Wilt thou not revive us again? As I look at our nation, and here we are celebrating the 245th uh, birthday of our nation, and and what a blessing it is that we have the ability to still uh, claim that we are a, a individual nation. We are, we are blessed. And with that, though, on some fronts, it's a little hard to celebrate. Because the very actions that we have seen other nations take that led to their destruction... World powers. Rome was the world power. And it came crumbling down. Greece was a world power. And it is no longer so. You look at the Medo-Persian kingdoms. You look at the Babylonian kingdoms. Uh, you look across uh, the scriptures. We look across history. And there are entire people groups who have been assimilated, conquered and assimilated, or completely destroyed. And what was it? What do they have in common? They rejected God. Now, our nation was founded on God. This morning when you came in, you received the Declaration of Independence. I want you to read that. If you have not read that, you need to read that. Uh, I try to read it annually just to get it into my mind and just to remind myself of all of the things that uh, our country stands for, why it was established. And you start reading through those, uh, those, that Declaration of Independence and you see the 56 individuals that signed and when they signed, they signed as enemies to the crown. And they vowed their life, their, their substance, they vowed everything to the, the establishment of this nation. But to most, and myself included, many of the Fourth of July's were more of a holiday, more of a family gathering, more of just enjoying a benefit with not even recognizing the responsibility. And here this morning, as we look at 
what God has, and God has blessed America. We are on a crash course of destruction. We are heading down a path that is asking for destruction. Just listen to some of the news that is coming out with China and their 1.7 billion people. The physical threats that just came out this week. And we feel as though we are exempt. And we are not. Someone has once said that if God does not judge America, he will have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, God owes an apology to no man. But the reality is we see a God who is a loving God, also a God of justice. And in that God of justice, there is a judgment that corresponds to justice. There is a side of blessing and then there is a side of judgment. And when that balance crosses, when that line is crossed and passed, we find the judgment of God that comes. And so this morning, as we, we look here, I want to uh, draw attention to that uh, sixth verse, Wilt thou not revive us again? And this morning, I want to speak to you on the subject, a patriot's prayer. A patriot's prayer. Father, I pray that you'd bless now this morning, meet needs that we have, and help us, Lord, to recognize uh, the blessings we have been able to enjoy. But Lord, I pray that you'd help us to see the direction that we are going as a nation and help us, Lord, to do our part to, uh, to change that direction and bring people back to you so we can miss that judgment that is coming our direction. And so I pray uh, that you would bless. Thank you for your goodness and your graciousness. Thank you for your long suffering to us, the mercy that you have shown over and over again. And now help us today, uh, Lord, to just see our part, please, for Christ sake, I pray. Amen. I want you to see several things this morning, but as we, as we look at judgment, we look at direction, uh, we are on a crash course towards destruction in America today. I heard about a battleship that was in the North Atlantic, and, and as this battleship was cruising in the North Atlantic at night, uh, there was a message that came in, and the admiral was on the ship, and, and this, this message came in uh, that there was a light directly in front of, the, uh, in front of this uh, battleship. And the uh, uh, seaman asked the admiral, what do, you, what do you want us to do? He said, send out a, a, uh, a message immediately uh, that, this is the ba- that uh, they need to change their direction to the, uh, to the south 30 degrees. And so they sent the uh, message out and a reply came back immediately. Change your direction 30 degrees to the north. The admiral was a little upset. He said, uh, send another message. This is the admiral. Change your direction 30 degrees to the south. And the response came back. This is seaman second class. Change your direction 30 degrees to the north. 
the response of the admiral. Of course, he was getting fairly angry, and, and now he is, this is the admiral, and I am on a battleship. Change your, your uh, direction 30 degrees to the south. And the response came back. This is second-class seaman. He said, change your degrees 30 degrees to the north. I'm in a lighthouse. You know, sometimes we get going away a direction and we feel like we're okay. We feel like we have the right to keep going down the path that we are on. Sometimes, just like that admiral, he's like, I know who I am. I've got the power. I've got the ability. I've got, the, uh, I've got this battleship. Uh, I, I can go anywhere I want in this ocean as long as you stay in the ocean. But as soon as he would have continued down that path, it was a path of destruction. And his pride almost brought him to a place of destruction. And our nation has, has been a proud nation. And I'm, and I'm thankful for the accomplishments of America. And I'm thankful for the blessings that we get to enjoy as Americans. But the reality is we have started down a path. Uh, we started a path that was under God. We started a path that was honoring God. We started a path where we were, we were, uh, we were recognizing God's authority in our life as a nation, the very founding of our laws, the very structure of our system has all been founded on biblical principle, yet we have turned away. And once you reject God and God's ways, there is judgment that's coming. So I want to see several things this morning. I want you to see, first of all, a plea for revival. The plea for revival. In verse number six, uh, he said here, he said, uh, wilt thou not revive us again? Uh, he, he, was, he was praying. There was a plea that was here uh, for, uh, for revival. Now, revival, that is, that is a time of searching. That is a time of sin-hating. When revival comes, it comes because God's people recognize their own sin. Uh, they recognize not just their own sin. They recognize uh, the sin of their household, the sin of their town, the sin of their community, the sin of their nation. And with that, we have found that uh, there is a uh, a uh, acceptance of that sin and the responsibility of that sin and then a repentance that comes because of it. Uh, a plea for revival. Uh, the, revival is soul searching. Uh, revival will never come when we think we are okay. When we are content with where we are, we will never have revival. Are we content in our Christian walk? Just think about it. You say, oh no, pastor, I'm not content. What are you doing to change it? If we are doing nothing to make it better, we are content. It's quiet. 
But it's true, that's myself included. All of us. You see, a plea for revival went out. Wilt thou not revive us again? And we, we send a prayer to heaven and we, we do nothing different. And we expect a, a miracle to happen, but if God's people are not going to seek revival and we are not going to pray for revival and we are not going to humble ourselves before an almighty God and recognizing our responsibility, you and I are responsible for the condition of our country. Oh no, pastor, I'm, I'm not responsible. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. We are all responsible. You see, this thing of personal responsibility has been removed from our, from our world. Everybody is pointing the finger at somebody else. You know, we can blame Sacramento for the condition of California, but the condition of California is not Sacramento's fault. The condition of Sacramento and California is the people's fault. It's because what we have allowed to happen. It is what we have, have done. Uh, it is what we have not done. The sins of commission, the sins of omission, uh, the being, not being engaged the way we need to be engaged, not standing for truth and righteousness and holiness, not standing up when they remove God from our society. Uh, we stay quiet while the, while the, uh, the, the God lists have a voice. The, the, the most degenerate in our, in our country have the loudest voice. Why is that the case? Because we have become fearful. We have become fearful of how we will be viewed. Let me tell you something. When our founding fathers stood up against the king, they understood that everything that they did, the very uh, the nation, uh, the, the uh, armies of Great Britain, they were already on the land. They were already destroying cities. They were already controlling the country. Listen to the, the uh, 27 different uh, cases uh, that are made there when you read the Declaration of Independence, the 27 cases against the king uh, for what he had already done on American soil. And, and you look at that and we see what's going on in our nation. They were not silent even though they were a minority. And you and I can no longer be silent just because we are a minority. You see, there was a plea for revival, uh, soul-searching and sin-hating and soul-saving. You know what's going to change this country? The Lord Jesus Christ is going to change this country. You know, just think about your views and your mindset and your lifestyle before you got saved. What happened? The only difference is you accepted Christ as your Savior. And you know what it did? It not only changed your eternal destiny, it changed your entire perspective. Evil is now evil. But before, evil was good, and good was evil. And everything had been flipped. What happened? When you accept Christ as your Savior, the Lord changes our perspective. He changes our view. You know, a Christian's, a Christian's perspective should not be uh, D or R. A Christian's perspective should be biblical. 
It's not our political preferences or direction. Though one definitely leads, the Republican leads more towards the, the conservative, uh, but, but it's not a D or uh, an R. It is, what does God say? It ought to be, what does the Word of God say? What does God want? And as we look at uh, the Word of God and we allow it to impact our minds and our life, what we'll find is that we realize our need for revival. And, and I don't know about you, but I know I need revival in my life. I need to be stirred once again. I need to have a refreshing in my own soul. And, uh, and the word revive means to restore, to return, to recover, and a America needs revival, but America will not get revival if the Christians do not have revival. Revive. Wilt thou not revive? Revival is a work of God in the heart of his people, and we have to seek it, desire it, pray for it. Wilt thou not revive us again? 2 Chronicles seven fourteen. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, will forgive their sin and heal their land. There was a, a plea for revival. Secondly, a patriot's prayer. We have the plea for revival, but then we we have, secondly, the people of revival. Wilt thou not revive? Say that again. Wilt thou not revive us? It starts with you. It starts with me. We can't delegate this off to somebody else. Revival starts independently with each of us. Wilt thou not revive us? He said in verse 4, Turn us and cause thine anger toward us to cease. Wilt thou, verse 5, Wilt thou be angry with us forever? Verse number 6, Wilt thou not revive us again? As I was reading through these verses, and as I saw the us, I not only saw the personal responsibility of my own, but wilt thou not revive the U.S.? Our country. The psalmist was not thinking of America. The psalmist was thinking of his country. He was thinking about Israel. He was thinking about the Hebrew people. He was thinking about the needs that they had. America was not in the picture during this time. We were not a nation. We were in, not in existence at all. But this patriot's prayer was for God to revive his nation and give them revival. And you and I, we need to, to have that prayer as well. But it ought to be for us. It ought to be for our nation. Uh, the U.S. Uh, wilt thou not revive the U.S.? Wilt thou not revive the people uh, of America? Uh, in that day, this nation of Israel, they were recognizing their great need for revival in their own lives. And do we sense a need for revival in our own life? Do we, do we sense a need? Do we, do we sense a need for God? Now, you're, you're in church this morning, 
And so I know that you have a desire uh, to hear from heaven. I know you have a desire for the Lord to work in your life. But when we think about revival and we think about uh, what revival means and we think about the, the result of revival, what we find is that as God sends revival, that there are souls that are saved. There are lives that are transformed. There, is a, uh, there are countries that are completely turned upside down. What was the reason? It was because God sent revival, and it was the result of the prayer of God's people. You see, our prayer of revival is not just for our own walk. Our prayer and our plea for revival is not just for our own family. It's not just for our own church. It is for our nation. It's for our nation. America needs revival. America needs for us to have revival. There's a burden that is on our shoulders to carry this time in history. And now, just as we look back historically and we look at these, these 56 men that made a difference for the entire nation, think about it. If only 56 were going to stand, that'd be a third of the people in here this morning. And if a third of the people in here this morning, let me just get everybody in this section to stand, please. Just in this section over here, Brother Jackson. You are a minority just in this group. But think about 56 people standing and making a difference for an entire nation. For those that came 245 years later. Those 56 made an impact that lasted beyond their life. They made a difference that, that set them aside, even from among their peers, because there were people that were, uh, uh, even here in the colonies, that were against the patriots. They had to stand against their own people for what was right. Yet they made a difference. And we may be, you may be seated, we may be a minority in a country, in a state of 39 million people. What do we have on Sunday? 160 people? Out of 39 million, we are a minority. But God's looking for a remnant. It's amazing. If God be for us, who can be against us? You see, you, your life, your action, it can make a difference. And when we just resolve ourselves, well, I'm just one person. I cannot do much. And it causes us to do nothing. But we have to do something. 
We have to do something. There is a responsibility. Uh, you see, there was a plea for revival. There were the people of revival, and that was individually. He said, revive us. Uh, it was revive our nation. And here, you and I, we can ask God to revive us and revive our country and make a difference. Uh, but there, there cannot be apathy, and there cannot be an unwillingness to get engaged and involved with the things that are going on in our world. Uh, things are changing so fast, and the churches are coming with inside the doors and closing the doors and feeling safe within these doors. But let me tell you something. The mission is outside the doors. The truth cannot stay within the walls of our country. We've got to take the truth out to the community. And, and, and we need to stand uh, and do what we are supposed to do. I see the unwillingness of people to get involved. Uh, a video post came up on one of the news uh, channels, and it was uh, a woman that was being beaten on the, one of our major cities on the sidewalk. And, and people walked by, and they were walking around, and this man was beating this woman, kicking her in the head. There's people that were in the stores. Uh, this huge man was standing there in the doorway, not 10 feet from the woman that was being beaten. And he came in and he closed the door and they all watched from inside the storefront. What is happening? We are afraid to become engaged. Now, some man is beating some woman. I'm not expecting our ladies to, to jump in and get beaten as well. But what happened to manhood? Well, you know, I just don't want to get involved. And that apathy has impacted every election. The conversations that happen at the water coolers Everybody else is voicing their opinion. And those that have truth are staying quiet because we don't want to stir the pot. Well, people will get upset with me if I say anything. I know. I do it every single week, multiple times a week. And there are people that may be sitting here this morning that will not come back again. But the reality is, we have to be willing to stand. We have to be willing to get engaged, revive us. That is, taking on that personal responsibility, and we need to be engaged. A plea for revival, uh, a plea, the plea for uh, the people of revival, and thirdly, the purpose of revival. Wilt thou not revive us again, he said, that thy people may rejoice in thee. You know what revival brings? It brings joy. Revival restores relationship. It's not just about changing the behavior. That's the, that's the result. That's the fruit. The great part about revival is that people have a relationship with God. God wants to have an intimate relationship with you. He wants to have an intimate relationship with me. 
the revive us that thy people may rejoice in thee. How close are we to him? You know what revival will do? Revival will clean out the stuff that's separating us from him. Revival just reveals the things that cause there to be a barrier in that relationship. Revival is that spotlight that comes on our own apathy and our own sin and our own uh, plans and our own goals and our own uh, direction. It's what reveals what is spiritual and godly and his ways versus our ways. And that reviving just restores Wilt thou not revive us again that thy people may rejoice in thee? You know, for Christians, we ought to joy. We ought to have joy. Are we rejoicing in our daily life? Just stop stop and think about it. It's one thing to rejoice on Sunday. What about on Monday? Tomorrow morning, when you go and you walk into that office with those ungodly people that you work with, and <laughs> no, maybe you, you walk into that shop, you walk into that office, and people are cursing the name of God, and they're against everything that is holy. You know, you and I, we can still rejoice. You know why? Because of that relationship. You see, the relationship that we have with God, nobody can take away. Nobody can take that away. Nobody can rob that from you. The joy that the Lord gives is something that he gives to us, and nobody has the ability uh, to steal that from us. Now, we can hand it off, though, can't we? We can, we can remove that joy. We can ignore that, that relationship and that joy would not be there. You see, uh, revival and rejoicing, uh, the distance uh, that, uh, from the Lord, it steals our, our joy. And, and when we do not have joy, we are not going to rejoy. Rejoice. Revival and rejoicing. Uh, sin steals our joy. Psalm 51 and verse 10. It says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit in me. Cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with the right hand uh, of thy free spirit. Uh, what happens? David found himself in a place of sin behavior and judgment of God and then he comes back to God in Psalm 51 and God he is asking God restore unto me the joy of thy salvation you know what revival is it's bringing us back to that place where there's nothing between our soul and the Savior you and I were never cleaner than the day that we got saved just think about it 
I mean, you remember when you got saved and that weight of sin was taken off? Uh, what a blessing. And if you're saved this morning, uh, the, restoring that joy of salvation, having our sins forgiven, having our names written down in the Lamb's book of life, becoming a child of God, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. And what do we find? There ought to be joy. There ought to be joy. And here we find a patriot. We find a prayer. And what is he asking for? He's asking for revival. Christians today, we need revival. Bible Baptist Church needs revival. Bible Baptist Church needs revival. This pastor needs revival. Our staff, we need revival. Our people, we need revival. There needs to be a renewed uh, working of God in our own lives, and we need to seek his leading and guidance. We need to uh, come before him humbly, seeking uh, his revelation of what he wants us to do in our life. When we look at the great revivals, we see they all started, number one, with prayer. They all started with, number two, a submission to the Word of God. Recognizing the authority of God. And then we find an obedience and service. And without those three things, we will not have revival. But all of them are attainable. We can be revived. Our nation can be turned back to God. And just like God used those 56 individuals in the founding of our nation and those that were influenced by them to gain strength and gain, uh, gain the, uh, the confidence that they could make a difference and they came alongside. And what do we have? We had people that were fighting against the, the world power of the day and they won against all odds. And right now, without God's help, we're on a crash course for the destruction. We're that world power, that battleship. We're cruising through that water, but we're headed towards the land. And if we don't get turned, we're going to find ourselves, no matter how strong, no matter how big. Have you ever been on a battleship? You've been on a, a ship. You've been on maybe an aircraft carrier down in San Diego. And you get on these ships, and all of a sudden, you just feel like, man, these things are massive. And they are. But when you put them out in the middle of that ocean, and you can look from deck... 12 miles in any direction and you can't see beyond that because of the, the curvature of the land. And all of a sudden you look around and you see nothing. All of a sudden you feel very small and insignificant. And as powerful as America is in the scope of the world without God, we are very insignificant. But with God, we can make a difference. 
I'm so thankful for those who stood. But it's time for us to stand. It's time for us to take our place. It's time for us to stand for truth. Against the uncertainties of repercussion, against the, the size difference, the Goliath that we would face, we have got to stand. A patriot's prayer. Wilt thou not revive us? Again, Father, I pray that you would help us this morning. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the opportunity to be able to just proclaim it and the freedoms you have given to us. But Lord, there's a great responsibility. And I pray today that you would work in hearts of your people. I pray that you would help us to recognize our responsibility to stand for truth and righteousness in this land. Lord, you have blessed this country beyond measure. And Lord, we pray that you would revive us again. May we once again come under your great favor. And I pray that you'd work in hearts. Now, Lord, if there's one here that does not know you, may today be the day that they put their faith in you. So work now in this time. For Christ's sake, we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. As the instruments play, we're going to open up the, the invitation. The altar's open this morning. Pastors are down front. If you don't know Christ as your personal Savior, the first step that you need to make before you can ask God to revive us again is to get your own sins forgiven. Become a child of God. Be born into the family of God. And if you don't know Christ as your Savior, uh, today is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Let me encourage you to come. If, if you're here this morning and maybe you've grown a little apathetic, Maybe we have withdrawn. We have not stood. We've gone quiet. Maybe come to an altar and just bow a knee and ask the Lord for his guidance and his help and his strength. Wilt thou not revive us again? A plea for revival. The people of revival and the purpose of revival. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed our service. If you would like to hear more, visit our website at bbc4me.org. That's bbc, the number four, me.org. May God bless you.